everyone, and welcome to the 2009 Batman Universe Award Show. We are going to give you the nominations for the 2009, and this will hopefully be the first annual TheBatmanUniverse.net Awards for the year. And we have a total of 21 different categories that we're going to cover and give you the nominations. And then what will end up happening is when you're listening to this, the nomination ballot will be on the website for you guys to vote. The link to the ballot will be located in the same spot that all the crazy announcements happen in the upper right-hand corner of the website on any of the normal pages. So you can click on that and place your submissions, and we will announce the winners in the future during a feature on a normal podcast. So we've got everybody from the Batman universe here, and we are going to bring you the nominations. So let's start off with all of the comic stuff. Now listen, Mustard Man. Or whatever you call yourself. Now, there's obviously going to be more comic things than any other category, so let's get into them. The first category we have is Best Batman Writer. He was good. Yeah? How good? Good. I see. And we have a total of three nominations. We have Paul Dini, Grant Morrison, and Fabian Nasiza. Now, Paul Dini, specifically, we are picking Paul Dini because of his work on Detective Comics that ended earlier this year, as well as Batman Streets of Gotham. I have nominated Grant Morrison for Best Batman Writer of the Year. I think when you look at the current state of the Bat books, I think Grant Morrison has put his stamp on every single one of those books and impacted every Batman title that's currently out there. I think he's writing the best title, Batman and Robin. I think it's been the most consistent, the most exciting, and it's been the most fun. And so for 2009, I don't know how you could go with anybody but Grant Morrison for Writer of the Year. Fabian, gosh, what is there to say about Fabian that I haven't said on any comic podcast where I've just sung the praises of his work? First of all, the Batman, Gotham Gazette, Batman Alive, and Batman Dead stuff were both very great one-shots and two of my favorite comics of the year. He was able to interweave a bunch of different story arcs and even solve some dangling plot threads like... How the heck were we ever going to find out how Spoiler was invisible? And his swan song for the Robin series, the last that last few issues, were just great all around. So he's my, he's my choice. All right. So those are your three options. Paul Dini, Grant Morrison, or Fabian Nassiza for Best Batman Writer. Worship me, fools! Worship me! Now let's move into the next one, which is Worst Batman Writer. And we have a total of four different options for you. Sorry, some of us aren't perfect. Uh, the first one is Kevin Smith. Then we have Doug Monick, Judd Winnick, and Peter Milligan. Like the whole Batman Reborn thing where they kind of screwed up, where they had the funeral um, after Batman and Robin, and with, with Dick, you know, telling Superman and Wonder Woman that, you know, that's, there still needs to be a Batman, and... We already knew that there was going to be a Batman because Batman and Robin came out. Uh, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling the whole poetic run. Uh, Doug Monick, uh, some of his stuff can always be hit or miss, and he's been writing Batman for, man, uh, over a decade now in different storylines. But uh, this year's stuff that he's put out, I mean, it's just been some of the... Some of the worst stuff. I mean, he's had some good stuff through the years within the within the unseen and in the midnight. But um, to me, out of all this year, every all of the events that have been going on, I felt that his writing was the the worst out of every writer this year. 
Well, the problem I had with Peter Milligan was that I find when you look at a comic book writer, they either you either read the book and go, "Wow, that was great! I really want to read some more," or you'll go, "Or you can get frustrated with people." And Kevin Smith can be someone like that who you think, "No, you're not doing it right. You should do this, not that." But Peter Milligan, I found just boring, just didn't interest me. And this was for five issues, and I just I found it so dull. And for that reason, Peter Milligan was nominated by me. Well, I just think he's proof that just because you can write great movies and screenplays um, doesn't mean you're a great comic book writer. And I, just because he's a fan doesn't mean he's good at what he's putting out there. So that's my opinion. So those are your options for worst Batman writer. Kevin Smith, Doug Monick, Judd Winnick, and Peter Milligan. <sighs> Please don't take this the wrong way, sir, that your goose is cooked. So let's move into the next one, which is Best Batman Artist. Magnificent, isn't it? Sure is, Mr. Wayne. We have two nominations for you. Uh, the first one is J.H. Williams, and the second one is Frank Quietly. Uh, Quietly is, I think, for for artists, I know for comic book fans, when they read it, they look at his artwork and say, wow, you know, this is pretty good. As far as an artist and coming from his world, being as consistent as Frank Quietly is, has he, how he's done it all these years, is just simply amazing. And what he's done through Batman and Robin, and I mean, you can just see it in the cells alone of uh, where it's at. His art is just uh, there's no other artist like him to be as consistent as he is per panel per panel, and his storytelling per issue is just phenomenal. I mean, he's just a, he's just a wonderful artist. How do I articulate this other than saying, "Have you opened up the a page of Detective Comics lately?" The art just jumps out at you, and it's a different type of art style that you don't see too often in the comics these days, and it's gathered attention from outside the usual comic book reading circles and that itself deserves some praise all right so those are your two options for best batman artists jh williams and frank quietly more style more brains i'm certainly a better dresser moving on to worst batman artists we have a total of three different options for you we have walter flanagan kelly jones and ramon bach time to bring down the curtain I'm not crazy about Ramon Bach's artwork. His stuff is just like, it's kind of amateur Like, it's not clean. It's kind of cartoony, but it's kind of muddy. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it just looks like fanboy drawing the, the book. So I'm, I'm not crazy about it. Walter Flanagan. What can I say about Walter Flanagan? Uh, he's probably the most inconsistent artist I've ever seen. He cannot drawing batman i don't know how this guy is is working in comics right now other than the fact that he's good buddies with kevin smith from panel to panel batman is drawn differently um his art is it's simple and it just doesn't it doesn't work at all um i think it also has something to do with the fact that he's working with kevin smith and kevin smith is writing an awful story and his art is awful Kelly Jones, I, I wonder if Kelly Jones has ever taken a, an anatomy class because sometimes his anatomy is just not there in artwork. But Guy, I will say, is consistent in his drawings all these years. But uh, the only thing I found the highlight of 2009 for Kelly Jones was uh, his, uh, his version of Black Mask's head. Not his body, but his head. He did a, a great job on that. But uh, his artwork is just, it's just like swallowing a cup of nails and just trying to hold it down is it just doesn't work for me 
Alright, so those are your options for worst Batman artists. Walter Flanagan, Kelly Jones, Ramon Bach. Let's move into best Batman miniseries. We've got two options for you. The first one is Battle for the Cowl, and the second one is Blackest Night Batman. Let's see if you can cut the mustard. Uh, I felt Battle for the Cowl was a pretty exciting uh, miniseries, and because there was so much going on at the time, and without Bruce Wayne, the characters were pretty like headless chickens running all over the place, didn't know what to do. And uh, I enjoyed it as a series, and it was one of the first series that really got me into the book, so it's... um. That's, that's why I nominated Battle for the Cow. Blackest Night. Oh, it's just a good story. As somebody that doesn't read the comic books all the time, um, it takes a lot to get me invo- into buying one or word of mouth spread, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So those are your options for best Batman miniseries, Battle for the Cow and Blackest Night, Batman. Baby, you're the greatest. Let's move into worst Batman miniseries of the year, and we have three options for you: Oracle, The Unseen, and Azrael. Remember that time Poison Ivy nearly smothered us in those vines with the really sharp thorns? Yes. This is worse. The Unseen. Uh, you know what I like. I like these off-the-wall stories, and whenever I hear, like, it's going to be a four-parter, five-parter, I like to get excited for those because it's just a different story, not set in the continuity of Batman. And when The Unseen came out, I thought it was... It started off great. However, the last couple of issues have just been real bad. It's just... there's There's no excitement in there that they could have done within three, four issues that it was could have been done in just two issues. The unseen, the whole story could have been done in two issues and be done with. But it felt like it was just dragging it out, dragging it out. And honestly, I think that's that's very bad for for Batman fans to spend their money like that just for a comic book that's. I mean, you had three issues in there that just should have not been written. Yeah, I, and there's not much to say. It's just an awful book. Yeah, with Azrael, I'm not the biggest Azrael fans, but I have a lot of friends who are big, like, John Paul Valley fans and stuff. And I don't know, what, what's the point of bringing back Azrael as a new character and changing the guy? And, you know, all the people who are John Paul, uh, Paul Valley fans, they're, like, all pissed off because, you know, there's a new Azrael out there. And, like, I don't know, I'm just not feeling the whole Azrael coming back and uh, that they bring him back and as a new character and I don't see the point of it. I mean, it, the only thing that I thought was pretty cool is that they brought in like Talia and the, the whole things with the swords and stuff, but Oracle the Cure was a massive waste of time. Oh my goodness. It's uh I never thought that a three-issue miniseries could be considered too long, but this was way too long. They could have told the story in one or two issues, and the story that they told was pretty much pointless anyway. Uh, I think that there was some editorial interference behind the series, uh, getting some misdirection towards the end, but that's besides the point. All Oracle does is go from place to place, talk to other hackers, and let's not even get started with Calculator, this horrible, horrible miniseries. Skip it, and only use it if you need toilet paper, which is, there's only been one other comic that I've ever said that before on this podcast. Alright, so those are your options for Worst Batman Miniseries of the Year. Oracle, The Cure, Batman Unseen, and Azrael, Death's Dark Knight. There's nothing more to do here. Let's move into Best New Series of the Year, and we have three options for you. We have Batman Streets of Gotham, 
Batgirl and Batman and Robin. Jumpin' Jiminy Christmas! Batman and Robin originally started out as Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. Uh, the first three issues are some of the best comics you'll read this year. I think Morrison has written the relationship between Dick and Damien really well in that book. And I think the first, the artwork in the first three issues is fantastic. I know some people think that when Philip Tan got on the book that it fell off a little bit. I still really enjoyed the story and I think the story is going somewhere exciting. All right. And then Batman streets of Gotham. The one thing that I, I like about this book is despite the fact you have to pay a dollar extra for the book itself, the, the feature, the co-feature in the back with uh, Manhunter, for the most part, has actually been pretty good since it, they, they started the series. Uh, more recently, it's gotten even better where I actually feel like they're going somewhere with the series it's, or with the co-feature itself. The first couple were kind of rough with Jane Doe and chasing through the forest for the entire co-feature. That was kind of ridiculous. But now that Two-Face is coming into it and it's ex-district attorney versus current district attorney, it's kind of interesting. Um, overall, Streets of Gotham, even with Chris Yost coming on the book for two issues with telling the story with Huntress and Manbad, it's still pretty interesting stuff. And I got to say, I'm loving the so-called history lessons that Paul Dini is teaching us every time he writes this book. So that's Batman Streets of Gotham. I am really, really loving Batgirl, and every single comic book podcast, I've been singing its praises. It's surprisingly my favorite new series of the year because it balances what I liked about the older Batman comic books, where it wasn't just everybody caught up in whatever the crossover is. It's just some of these stories are done in one. Some of them are two or three parters, and you got Stephanie doing her Batgirl stuff, but then you have her doing her you know, real-life secret identity stuff, and... That seems to be missing from a lot of the current Batman books. When was the last time you saw Dick Grayson do something actually as Dick Grayson that wasn't going to a cocktail party to investigate something for a Batman case or any of the other members of the Batman family? The humor in the book is just hilarious. If nobody has read the last issue with Damien and Stephanie going back and forth at each other, I'd recommend it. It'll give you a chuckle. So those are your options for Best New Series of 2009. We have Batman Streets of Gotham, Batman and Robin, and Batgirl. Watch out, villains! Here come Batman and Robin! Moving along, we have Worst New Series of the Year, and we have a total of four options for you. We have Batman the Widening Gear, Azrael, Red Robin, and Gotham City Sirens. Kind of runty, though. The thing with Sirens for me is that I just don't feel like it's going anywhere. It feels like a, a series that's been created with no intention of where it... With no destination. They're not sure really where it's going. We're just going to get some three characters to just hang about for a bit and chuck the Riddler in as well. And it just doesn't have any direction for me, and, and that's why I've nominated it. Batman the Widening Gear, now you would probably think that this would fall in his miniseries, but the thing is, it's kind of actually falling into more of all-star Batman and Robin type thing, where it is an ongoing series. They're saying they're going to do six issues, and then there's going to be another six issues. They're just going to have a giant break in between, whatever. Honestly, Widening Gear, it's probably more of a maxi-series than a miniseries, kind of like what Batman and Robin was supposed to be. And then they decided to make it an ongoing series. But the reality of it is, Widening Gear just absolutely sucks. 
Um, I'm not really liking really anything. The writing, Kevin Smith does a wonderful job at giving you way too much to read instead of leaving his artist to kind of tell the story as well. And that's understandable because his artist sucks. So that's Batman Whitening Gear. I had high hopes for Asriel. And uh, if you listen to the comic cast, it's not done yet, so we're still kind of reviewing it. But to me, it feels like a uh, just so far really bad independent storyline of Azrael. And I don't think it's capturing fans the way that they thought it would. Um, I don't know the sales figures for it, but as long as I've been around comics, I don't see this Azrael carrying as long as the first Azrael did. So... And, and and I mean, in, in true fashion, though, it's not. It doesn't look like the price that you pay is not the quality that you're getting within the book. Red Robin series for me, it's just been there, done that for DC Universe, and it's just a mech type of story for for me, and I, I didn't enjoy it. All right, so those are your options for worst new series: Batman Whiting Gear, Azrael, Red Robin, and Gotham City Sirens. I'm gonna have to throw it back. So let's move into best one-shot of the year. We have a total of three different options for you. Gotham Gazette, Batman Dead, number one. Batman Doc Savage, special. And Gotham Gazette, Batman Alive, number one. I'm one of a kind, toots. (laughs) Gotham Gazette, Batman Alive was very good. It was one of my Fabian juggling different plot threads throughout Batman wrapping up this whole battle of the cow stuff and setting up what is going to be the new status quo. And like I said, there's just so much in there. And while he's telling these stories, he's able to do little things like, as I mentioned before, when I was talking about Fabian, actually tell us how the heck spoiler had the power to become invisible, which no other writer had decided to touch upon again. Little things like when uh, Tim Drake or Tim Wayne is in the car with Leslie Tompkins, he's mad at her because uh, of what happened of her faking Spoiler's death. He's able to fit all these other plot threads just into this one story, and he's bringing back these characters like the Cavalier as Leslie's bodyguard, and just take these bit-supporting characters and flesh them out. And the sequence with Vicki Vale uh, at, I think it's the Robinson Ball, when she's figuring out the Batman family's identities, that had me wanting more right then and there. And it's one of the few uh, plot threads that hasn't been picked up in this new era that I hope to see happen soon. Gotham Gazette, Batman Dead, same thing. It was Fabian doing an awesome job at combining a bunch of different things that started off with Batman R.I.P. and Heart of Hush and combining them together and kind of giving the groundwork for what was about to happen in Battle for the Cowl and the Battle for the Cowl one-shots and even some of the miniseries. He touched on Azrael, he touched on Oracle, he touched on what was going on with Batman being dead and stuff like that. Overall, I mean, it, he, Fabian is one of those guys where if you need someone to come in and fix something, he's the guy to do it. And that was evident with Gotham Gazette, Batman dead. Batman Doc Savage special. Um, so one shot preview into the upcoming first wave line of comics that Brian Azzarello and Rags Morales are going to be doing for DC, but Phil Noto did the artwork in this issue and the artwork was fantastic. Also, I thought Azarello really wrote a really intriguing story. I always enjoy it when writers take it and they kind of, they do their own thing with the character and it was a really refreshing read. 
but the artwork was fantastic. The relationship between Batman and Doc Savage that develops at the end was a lot of fun. So those are your options for best Batman one-shot of the year. Gotham Gazette, Batman Dead, number one. Gotham Gazette, Batman Alive, number one. And Batman Doc Savage Special. Let the good times roll! So let's move along to worst Batman one-shot of the year. We have two for you. Batman Battle for the Call, the Network, and Batman in Barcelona, Dragon's Night. What are you doing? Stop it! Batman in Barcelona. The only thing, in my opinion, that was good about this book was the cover art, which was done by Jim Lee. The book itself, normal story, but to me, it seemed like DC was doing this as a publicity stunt. They sent people to the comic convention in Spain so that they could promote this book literally the weekend before it was released. So they timed it perfectly to come out so that they could promote it, so that they could expand their readership to Spain. That's awesome. I don't like comics as publicity stunts, and honestly, I don't really care about some legend of some knight killing a dragon in Spain. That's just not really what I care about when I'm reading about Batman. So that's why Batman Barcelona, Dragon's Knight is nominated. The network I feel that was missing from it was the excitement for putting all these characters in and just evolving the story more. It lacked in story. It just it was just really sucking. I know we're going against Barcelona and Barcelona was equally worse. So we had to choose the network because there was no consistency in writing here. The artwork I would say was okay, but for uh 2.99 for the price of this book, um, just go off and buy some some Hershey Kisses or something. You'll be more satisfied with those than buying this book. 12 gumballs. <laughs> yeah, 12 gumballs. And if you buy this, you feel like a gumball. Alright, so those Ooh. are your worst one-shots. Batman and Barcelona, Dragon's Knight, and Batman Battle for the Call of the Network. And you're worse than a thief. Moving on to Best Creative Team. Now, you would imagine this would be a sweep, but we actually have two nominations for this. Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly, and Freddie Williams III, and Fabian Nassiza. Just see that you succeed. Well, what I loved about Morrison and Quietly was um, clearly they they watched the '60s show for inspiration, and they and they mentioned that they wanted to make it darker and um, a bit more intense. And I think they did that with the series Batman and Robin in the first few issues, and it just exploded off the scene, and it was amazing for the first. Uh, I mean, it's still pretty good, but those first three issues were pretty impressive, and those guys did a fantastic job of making a new series incredibly popular straight away. Yeah, that's why I think they're worthy of the best team. Freddie Williams the third and Fabian, that last run on Robin. What can I say? I mean, I've just been singing Fabian's praises this whole this whole podcast and every single other podcast, but that last run on Robin was some of the most enjoyable comics I've read in a while. That story arc flowed very well and was very, very full. It wasn't like one of those, you know, six-issue story arcs where barely anything happens up until the end, and it's not even leak-paced. There was action drama. They were able to juggle, you know, all these different characters, like Jason Bard, spoiler in the gang war, what was going on with Robin and Jason Todd, and then the end with Lady Shiva. Well, that's another story right there, but you know, bravo from me, and I think that that series should have gotten a lot more attention, and it's a shame that it had to end. Alright, so those are your two options, Morrison Quietly and Freddie Williams the third, and Fabian Nassiza. Oh, of course. Moving on to Worst Creative Team, we have 
five different options for you, surprisingly enough. The five options are Judd Winnick and Mark Bagley, Doug Monick and Kelly Jones, Peter Milligan and Andy Clark, Kevin Smith and Walter Flanagan, and Ramon Bach and Chris Yost. This is a bunch of junk, Jazz. Red Robin by uh, Chris Yost and Bach is just, you know, the whole series is just not my cup of tea. It, to me, it's old, you know, been there, done that stuff, and I just didn't, I couldn't get into it. So, not my, not my brand. Kevin Smith and Walter Flanagan, this is clearly not Kevin Smith who wrote Daredevil or any of the Green Arrow stuff. I don't know what DC was thinking after Batman Cacophony to think that these two guys could carry out, a, I guess, a maxi series. Flanagan's art is, is awful, and Smith's story is boring. It's, there's no answers. He hasn't given us any answers to anything. It's, it's really a waste of time. So to me, I, I think you get a bad writer and a bad artist together, and it's just a bad, bad book. Peter Milligan and Andy Clark. What went wrong, guys? You were tasked with a five-issue story set in Russia, which could be quite exciting with the Russian gangsters and stuff. And it was in a series that was doing very well, Batman Confidential, at the time. These guys come in, story dull as hell, and the art, problem with the art was that I couldn't tell the difference between the human characters. I couldn't tell who was talking to who. I got very confused. And it was just a terrible story. There was great potential, and it turned out to be incredibly weak. And that's why I think they deserve this award. When uh, when I first, Mon- Monica and Jones, when I first read their, their vampires back in the 90s, I thought, man, you know, this team's going to turn into something. But I just thought that Kelly Jones was a young artist and his art style would change. Um, I've been hoping that for the better half of almost 20 years now. Oh. <laughs> and it still hasn't come to pass. But uh, Ke- Kelly Jones, I mean, the, you have his fans and you, you don't have his fans. Monic, you do have Monic fans that are out there that are just like, you know, this guy can write, he can write. And then you have issues like like this where it's just like the unseen was just like just terrible. I was like, oh, my God, why, why are you you're just dragging it? And oh, why did you stretch it into another issue? You could have just done it right here and just finished it off instead of dragging it and boring me. And I just feel that these guys, I mean, they, they should have known better for the experiences that they have. But 2009, they just took the cake as worst team. All right, and then to finish off the nomination, Judd Winnick and Mark Bagley. Winnick can be classified as probably the worst writer anyway, but uh, when you combine him with Bagley and Bagley's, well, I think the biggest problem with this was because they were on Batman, there's more expected from them than if they were on, you know, one of the newer series and the problem was, I didn't like the idea of, let's make Dick Grayson this happy-go-lucky Batman, even though he's trying to pass off as the original Batman. Meanwhile, he's doing everything in his power to not be like the old Batman. And then we've got the art that, yeah, Mark Bagley, in, in some regards, Mark Bagley's art is awesome, and I'm all for Mark Bagley on Spider-Man, but I'm not for Mark Bagley on Batman. He doesn't belong on Batman because Batman is a darker book and Bagley draws things very bright. So that's why Judd Winnick and Mark Bagley are nominated. So to review, Judd Winnick, Mark Bagley, uh, Doug Monick, Kelly Jones, Peter Milligan, Andy Clark, Kevin Smith, Walter Flanagan, and Ramon Bach, Chris Yost. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? So moving on to best comic cover. 
We actually have six different ones, and we're going to run through each of ours to you. First one we have is Batman 687, which was my nomination. And honestly, there are certain covers that you look at and you say, these could easily be made into posters. Batman 687 is one of those. When you're looking at the ballot online, we'll actually try as hard as we can to actually provide pictures for all of them so that way you can see which ones we're talking about. But 687 is basically Batman standing on the edge of what appears to be a cathedral because he's got a gargoyle below him. Bats flying in the background. Reminds me a lot of uh, an Andy Kubert picture of Batman in the Batcave from a couple years back. But um, that's that's my pick for best comic cover. Batman and Robin number one, drawn by uh, Frank Quietly. He just sent a message when we were coming through the whole battle for the cow and we knew Dick Grayson was already going to be Batman. And then you just see Damien right there clutching his fist like you know, a la 60s Robin, like, holy Batman, you know, and he's just standing right there, you know, clutching his fist like that, and then you see the Batmobile behind him, it's like, okay, this is a new team, this is a new Batman, and this is a new Robin, and it just, you just didn't know what kind of wonders to expect from that picture, and that picture told you pretty much the the saying of, in a picture, it gives you a thousand words. And it, it was just an amazing drawing, and I think it was an awesome cover for 2009. Uh, yes, I picked Detective Comics 857, which uh, I thought was excellent, because this was about the second or third issue, I think, into Williams' run with Batwoman. And you're just starting to think, well, how's he going to top that? And I remember getting this issue and thinking, wow. And just looking at the cover for a good minute or two, I really enjoyed the symmetry, because you sort of you see... Um, Batwoman and Alice, and you realise that you know the same similar sort of people, and he uses the symmetry very well to convey that. And I thought it was an excellent cover. And as Dustin was saying about posters, this would be an excellent one too. So much detail. I hope it gets the award. My nomination was Batman 682, which just made the 2009 mark, uh, released on January 1st. It was part of the last rights storyline towards the end of Batman R.I.P. and it was a cover done by Alex Ross. And basically, it's it's Batman and Robin fighting off all their their greatest villains: Joker, Penguin, Two Face, Riddler, Catwoman, etc. But it's it's got this kind of bright Technicolor look to it, and so I I thought it was a really neat cover. My pick was a uh, Batgirl number one. I could say that I love every cover that Phil Noto's been doing for the Batgirl series. I love this one because this one is pretty popular style. Like this this kind of it's been used before a couple times. Like, if you remember Morrison's run on New X Men, and there's a book called Spy Boy. It's always they always have like a. It just shows like from the chest down to the legs or something. I've, I've always been a big fan of like covers like that. So, and 
the whole point of like trying to figure out who the new Batgirl was, I thought that was a pretty cool way of using it. Even though the way, like how the costume was missing the, the original Batgirl's mask, the, the mouthpiece was pretty cool. Like how they showed it so they kind of give you a hint of who the new Batgirl was. But yeah, that's basically my pick. Yeah, I chose uh, Batman Unseen 5. It's the last of the series, and the cover is just, I don't know, it, something about it stands out to me. I like it. it. It could be a poster, but I liked it a lot. So those are your choices. Batman 687, Batman Robin number 1, Detective Comics 857, Batman 682, Batgirl number 1, and Batman Unseen number 5. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Moving into Best Batman Villain, we have three nominations for you. Hush, Midnight, and Professor Pig. Another fine villain made possible by a grant from the Wayne Foundation. Only kidding. The Midnight character, which, of course, was written by Steve Niles, and I think Steve Niles did a wonderful job in showing us this psychopathic killer, and his name is Midnight, and it's just awesome. Some of the things that he did through the book was just really shocking, and the characteristics that I liked about him, I found similarities between him and the Joker, and if you can sort of take cues of the Joker, but twist it into a whole new character while having this, you know, weird complex. It it, it just drew me in. And I think you know he didn't get a lot of recognition in 2009, but I think we can look very much forward to seeing Midnight coming into future Batman issues and wreaking havoc. Tommy Elliott has made a comeback as a villain after that first arc uh, years ago that Jeff Loeb and uh, I almost said Tim Sale that Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee did. Hush kind of just dwindled after that, and they've given him a new status quo this year, and he's become more of a threat than ever, and he's become more of a fixture into the books. And I have to say, it's actually pretty intriguing now. And any of the books where Hush is in there disguising as Bruce Wayne, it's been. An interesting ride from start to finish. Professor Pig, man, I think he was probably the coolest villain that came out this year. Like, just the whole concept of him kidnapping, like, girls and putting this face mask on people. It's kind of like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of thing where he puts, like, this mask on them and they try to take it off. It rips off their face. And this guy is just, like, this is this is how a Batman villain should be. They're supposed to be psychotic. Morrison shows exactly how psychotic this guy is. Um, I'm looking forward for like for more stories about this guy. All right. So those are your choices for best Batman villain: Hush, Midnight, and Professor Pig. But the problem with that plan is that when you take an insane person to the asylum, you're just taking him home. All right, so moving out of the comic stuff, because we had plenty of comic things to cover, we're going to move into the movie, the one movie thing we have, which, as many people know, Batman 3, there was no real news that was announced this this year, so there's not really a need to do it. But we do have one category, and it's called Worst MTV Try at Batman News. And this is because, as we all know, MTV does not let up on trying to get some kind of Batman news out of anybody involved or anybody who's rumored to be involved in Batman 3. We have four different nominations. The first one, in general, is just the constant battering. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if the person has nothing to do with Batman or not. Whether they've been in the, in the Batman movie in the past, 
like Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito, or whether they are somebody who has nothing to do with Batman and they're trying to convince them that they should start talking about Batman just to make news. They do that all year round, and that's the first nomination. Oh my god, MTV's interview with Dan Cook went into the Be the Batman series. Uh, I mean, the Batman franchise. Oh my god, I just... I mean, the guy, he has his certain things. i seen his, you know, body of work. Dan Cook being in Batman would probably would welcome Schumacher back to the franchise and just, just ruin everything. Oh, my God. That was like, why would you interview him and even ask him that? No, 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 no. Uh, my nomination was for MTV, and this is the deal. You're the interviewer. You're told, right, you're going to be interviewing... Sir Michael Caine, he's 76 years old. You get in there and he tells you, yeah, I read in the paper the other day that Johnny Depp's going to be the Riddler. And you go crazy about it and you post it up on the internet and everyone thinks it's real. Poor old Michael Caine gets in trouble. Apparently Chris Nolan doesn't want to talk to him about anything to do with Batman 3 now. And I think poor old Sir Michael Caine didn't get shown the right respect by MTV and um, got in a load of trouble for it. And it really pissed me off. So that's my nomination. Yeah, my uh, MTV news was uh, Sam Worthington replacing Christian Bale as Batman in the next sequel. And if anyone follows the, you know, Christian Bale or, or the new um, Nolan verse, they know that he signed on for three films. Um, I know he's reluctant for a third, obviously, if um, Nolan is not a part of it. But anyway, there's no chance at all of Sam Worthington playing Batman in the third film and i just thought it was i don't know somebody didn't do their research which is quite often in the mtv interviews all right so those are your nominations the constant battering dane cook interview the michael Caine interview or the christian bell being replaced every punk in this town is scared stiff they say he can't be killed they say he drinks blood is there a six foot back in gotham city all right, so moving into TV, we have two categories. The first one is Best Batman Brave and the Bold Episode of the Year, and that one has three nominations. Does this mean we have to start fighting? Uh, I went for Color of Revenge because I thought it was great to see Robin in the series. I thought he really fitted, and I thought the dynamic between the two of them was excellent. I also felt that the villain, Crazy Quilt, for that episode was pretty amusing, and... Um, I thought it was one that was severely underrated, so I hope in these awards it uh, gets the recognition that I think it deserves, but I've got a funny feeling that it won't. Yeah, Legends of the Dark Might, um, back when, um, you know, Super Friends was on, and I I hated the Dark Might, um, and when this came on, you know, it just, it fit perfect in the, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold world, and, uh, Hey, Paul Rubin's making a comeback, huh? But anyway, um, I just liked the, you know, all the, the different scenarios. And plus, Paul Dini was attached to it. So it just had a ton of things I liked in it. I liked all the different villains when he made Calendar, Super Calendar Man. And yeah, just a great, great episode. Loved it. Who would have thought that Batman fans would enjoy a Batman musical episode? Mayhem of the Music Meister. If someone would have told you 10 years ago that there'd be a Batman animated series that would have an all-musical episode, we would have all said that they were nuts. In fact, when this was first announced, I think we all said it was nuts, but 
not only did everybody enjoy it, but we actually have people buying the soundtrack, which Batman fans by nature are generally not big musical fans. That's not all of them, but a lot of them are. This was able to win people over, and that is an amazing feat. Can I just add there, Josh? I think there was one person 10 years ago who would have thought it was a good idea. Oh, Mr. yeah. Mr. Schumacher. He would have been like, I'll make, it. I'll make it into a movie. <laughs> All right, so those are your options for Best Batman Brave in the Bold episode, Legends of the Dark Might, Mayhem and the Music Meister, and Color of Revenge. Let's move into the other category, which is Worst Batman Brave in the Bold episode. Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> and we have three different options for you. So the first one is Enter the Outsiders. This was actually my nomination, and Enter the Outsiders really didn't do anything for me. I didn't like that the fact that the Outsiders were supposed to be heroes ended up being the villains in this series in, in this episode i don't like that the outsiders were portrayed as a bunch of adolescent teenagers who feel like they're outsiders and that's why they're acting out honestly i don't need the outsiders to be teenagers and i don't think it's necessary for them to be portrayed as teenagers so that they can have a justification for calling them the outsiders and that's why i picked this one okay quite simply Gorillas versus tigers hmm. on another planet, and uh, it, oh, it, I'm known as a bit of a brave and the bold basher, and I think with this episode I'm justified because it's just it's so uh, ridiculously crazy that it goes over my head and I just lose interest. Yeah, so tigers versus gorillas, just think about that. And Kamandi, he's an idiot. And Kamandi. <laughs> Follow the Blue Beetle, I think, was, uh, I think it deserved a little bit more respect uh, for even showing, like, Ted Cord where he couldn't use the, the Scarab. It, 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 there was so much story, so much emotion that could have been done into this episode that I think Blue Beetle deserves a treatment much like Green Lantern's getting now within DVDs. Blue Beetle is that much of a character. Now, the Blue Beetle, of course, uh, the Jamie Ray is Blue Beetle is what's shown in Batman Brave and the Bold. But there was a Blue Beetle before that. And I think they could have done a little bit more uh, of a tearjerker moment for the Blue Beetle within this episode. And it, it, I know they're meant for kids, but still at the same time, you know, we're, we are watching it. So I think the, the fall of the Blue Beetle could have been done a little bit more with more respect. All right, so those are your options. Enter the Outsiders, Fall of the Blue Beetle, Last Bat on Earth. You know, without you, I just wouldn't want to go on. Moving into merchandise, we only have one category, and that's Best Batman Merchandise of the Year. The three different options are Batman Arkham Asylum Collectible Edition, the Hot Toys Bank Robbery Joker, the Joker DX figure. Joker DX figure. Well, if you guys don't own, like, well, they came out with the, the first Joker that came out last year, um, and uh, the sculpt on the head was really poorly done. Like, it didn't even look like Heath Ledger. So then 
they came out with the bank robber Joker, and they came with a separate head that was it was a perfect sculpt of Heath Ledger, and um, most people who who were fans of it uh, like were they bought both of them, and then they took the head from the bank robber Joker and put it on uh, the the original Joker figure, and they called it the Ultimate Joker. But now you can just get the deluxe figure, and then the the, the deluxe figure has um, him as the cop uniform, and then you can also switch it where he's the Joker with the the bombs in his jacket and stuff, and his eyeballs move, and and this is like basically the best Joker figure that's ever been made. This is is the detail, the the clothing, everything, every little detail on this. It's a must-have if you're a Batman fan. The Dark Knight epilogue is one of my it's one of my favorite scenes from the Dark Knight. I just love the the whole bank heist and uh knowing that, you know, it's your first glimpse of seeing the Joker and this figure is just amazing um detailed and the fact that the heads, you know, they have the hair slicked back. The detail on this figure is is astonishing. Um down to the shoes and, and his shirt and, and the guns. It's it's just amazing. Batman Arkham Asylum. Come on. Have you played it? What insight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all the merchandise. So like I said, those three choices are Batman Arkham Asylum Collectible Edition, Hot Toys Bank Robbery Joker, Hot Toys Joker DX figure. Hold it, hold it, hold it! Get out of my face, clown! Which one? So the next two categories that have specifically to do with what has been done with the BatmanUniverse.net. The first category is the best TBU special. TheBatmanUniverse.net presents. There's three options. The first option is the movie commentaries as a whole. Even though there was individual commentaries for each movie and each one of them was a different special, the movie commentaries as a whole. And then the other ones we have is the 1960s special where we had it was a three-part series where we talked about everything having to do with the 60s TV show and the movie. And then we also have the call-in show. As a podcaster, all three of those were really, really fun. I'm going with the movie commentaries because... Not only were those the most fun to make, but on the ones that I wasn't on, those were the most fun for me to listen to, too. Um, I listened to the gang do the 60s movie, and I didn't actually watch it with the movie. I just went out for a jog and was listening to it, and it was just really fun having them go off on the movie and stuff. And uh, same thing for uh, the Nolan films, just hearing them watch the movie, saying the stuff they enjoyed, pointing out the potholes for a good an hour, two hours those were fun to do and they were fun to listen to and i'm really hoping that we can do some more in the coming year made batman and robin bearable to watch (laughs) (laughs) then then our work as batman fans is complete if we can do that i picked the colin show because uh i thought that was the coolest one because um you guys had a lot of feedback from all your listeners and they gave you responses and uh it's really cool hearing what people have to say about what they think about Batman and stuff. Also, it made me want to be a part of the show. I, I love hearing the outtakes, too. The outtakes were the best. I picked the 60s show, although I must say before that, as Josh mentioned, being involved in all three of them uh, was very difficult to pick, and I'm very interested to see what actually gets voted. 
But the 60s show was my favourite, I think, because I love the 60s show. And if you do and you haven't checked it out, go and have a look. It's really good. And we had a really good laugh doing that. Um, I think it's a three-parter. The outtakes are great. Found out all the facts about the show. And um, in the research I did, I found out a lot that I didn't know about it. And um, I really enjoyed it. I think we had a very good time making it. So that was the one I picked. Right. So those are your options. Movie commentary, 60 special, or the call-in show. So moving on to the other BatmanUniverse.net category, we have Best TBU Exclusive, and we have a total of three different ones. We have the Jim Lee bit about All-Star Batman Robin from San Diego Comic-Con, the Adam Beechin interview, and the Diedrich Bader interview from San Diego Comic-Con. Hi, this is Apple from the BatmanUniverse.net. The Jim Lee exclusive... I think was for me the coolest thing because you got to hear it right out of his mouth. So I think us getting to hear first from the site was just really neat. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy Batman Brave and the Bold and I'm a fan of Diedrich. So it was good to see you guys interview him, get it on video. And I enjoyed watching those a lot. It was, it was entertaining and good stuff. I liked it. The Adam Beechin interview, oh my goodness. First of all, before Batgirl issue one hit the stands, go onto the internet, go onto the message boards, or listen to any of the comic podcasts. There was everybody speculating for months and months and months on who Batgirl was going to be. And Adam Beechin basically uh, blew it <laughs> on our podcasts. And I've always been very, very proud of that. And I really wish that more people would have taken notice of that during all the who is Batgirl hoopla. So those are your three options, Jim Lee San Diego Comic-Con news, the Adam Beechin interview, and the Diedrich Bader interviews from San Diego Comic-Con. We get to the final category, which is the best Batman news of 2009. Now, surprisingly, a lot of these choices are actually going to be things that have just happened in the last couple weeks. One of them that happened earlier this year, but was big news when it was announced. So the one that happened earlier this year was Batman Brave and the Bold, the musical episode, because... It was crazy news. And then we also have, more recently, there was two comic-related things put out. Uh, a couple weeks ago, that was, there's going to be a Batman Earth One series written by Jeff Johns and art done by Gary Frank, and then there's Return of Bruce Wayne is the other one, and then also, just a couple weeks ago, we found out that there is in fact going to be a sequel for Batman Arkham Asylum, and we have a trailer, despite the fact that uh, we have no knowledge of anything, anything else but there's a trailer for it. It was recently announced that Grant Morrison is going to be writing a six-issue miniseries called The Return of Bruce Wayne, which is supposed to describe the lives that Bruce Wayne lived out in the Omega Sanction. Some people believe that it's going to be his physical return. I'm not quite sure yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. Batman Arkham Asylum 2. I am so excited for that one. I mean, everyone knows I'm a I'm a big time video game fan, and and they're hearing the announcement just confirmed with what we had heard early on, and we had mentioned this in the podcast that soon could be leaking by the end of the year about Batman Arkham Asylum two. Now, will it be Arkham Asylum or will it be continuing the story that left off in Arkham Asylum? 
because it's still saying Batman 2 working title. So the announcement is it's just exciting. Hopefully we can see like a demo at E3, maybe even have it out by holiday next year. Uh, but oh my God, that is such huge news because as you guys know, if they're doing part two, hopefully Deanie's in it. Kevin Conroy's in it, and hopefully we heard that Mark Hamill said that he was retiring the Joker voice. Could we be maybe seeing a return to that in a video game form? So, I mean, it's, it's just huge news. It's just huge. Alright, so the next one is Batman Earth 1. Now, whatever your feelings about, you know, starting a new continuity of Batman are, Jeff Johns is going to be writing Batman. I mean, how much better can it get? Jeff Johns, that guy for whatever reason, he can't do anything wrong at this point in time. So I'm looking forward to Batman Earth 1 specifically because it'll get some new people involved with the Batman comics. So despite the fact that Josh and our continuity police out there will despise the fact that they'll be retelling the origin of Bruce Wayne, DC actually has a reason to do it because they're doing this on a completely different Earth. We all know that the DC Universe consists of 52 different Earths, Nobody knows what happens on Earth-1, and this is going to be it. And I'm just really looking forward to Jeff Johns writing Batman, and the fact that it's going to be an original graphic novel form means no advertisements, nothing but just straight, wonderful pages of art. And so far, the art that they've shown looks awesome. And Jeff Johns writing. Can't get any better than that. Woohoo! 100% agree. If anybody's ever seen Gary Frank's work, they know he's pretty good artist so it, it is the team that's on superman's secret origin right now yes which has been a pretty good book scary so. frank rocks all right and then of course the last one is as we said batman brave and the bold musical episode despite it not being super new news it was news in and of itself when we found out there was going to be when it was rumored that there was going to be a musical episode of course we on the podcast were bashing the heck out of it because musical batman doesn't mix and even though that news came out it was huge news because it spurred a lot of conversations but also at the same point it turned out a lot better than we all expected i just like to say that at that time i was not on the podcast so i never said anything bad about this (laughs) (laughs) well i can say that the most read um post and forums is this will never work and then after the episode was out this was the best episode I've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. So those are the nominations for Best Batman News of 2009. Now, obviously, there's other things out there that were newsworthy, but they never were actually news. It was just rumors. Who was going to replace Bruce Wayne? Was it going to be Dick Grayson or somebody else? Who was going to be the new Batgirl was news, but it wasn't news. It was just us talking about it all the time. Those are your nominations. Batman Earth 1, Batman Arkham Asylum 2 being announced, The Return of Bruce Wayne being announced, or the Musical Meister episode being announced as well. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. So those are your nominations. So there's 21 categories. You can vote on all of those by going over to the website, thebatmanuniverse.net, clicking on a normal page, not the home page, but a normal page, and seeing in the top right corner the link to cast your vote for the 2009 Batman Universe Awards. Hopefully this will be successful, and we'll have this again next year. As we all know, there's Batman news. Whether or not there's a movie or not, there's always Batman news. So I want to thank everyone for listening. And everyone on the podcast for being on the show. Thanks for saving my bacon, Robin. Hey, no problemo, Batman. So this is Dustin. This is Apple. This is Nick. 
You got Josh. This is Zach. This is Humphrey. This is Ryan. And you've been listening to the 2009 The Batman Universe Awards. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Peace. Happy New Have Year. Have a good 2010. Take it easy. Adios. Peace. <laughs> War. <laughs> Three people's name lit up, and I was like, "Who just that was said me. that?" Oh. <laughs> we all want peace. No. Who said peace? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you oh, okay? You know the parameters of a Batman show is that we, we don't say peace. We're we're pretty raw and dark. <laughs> Yeah, Apple, we're so Please. raw and dark, let me tell you. Yeah. Apple, People you are, are scared so, when they listen You to are me. so hardcore. I am hardcore, man. <laughs> we're all dark, man. With our, with our film schools and our childcare careers. And <laughs> <laughs> Drawing.